Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we look back on the best two, including Munich Pride and The Kindness Project Mug. Welcome, my friends, to The Kindness Project. I am joined by a man who apparently bought my co-host a gift but didn't think about getting me one and a girl who's just got a brand new alexa it's russell and charlotte how are we i'm fine thank you how are you yeah where's my gift i'm penniless now so you're penniless you're you're not moving out in september (laughs) you are absolutely brassic because you've spent all your money on charlotte yeah totally no it was uh it was an echo that i'd uh yeah. I'd upgraded and I thought Charlotte might like it for university. Amazing. Thank you, Raz. That is, as befitting of the podcast, a very, very kind thing to do. Um, well done on that. Uh, what's been happening then, Raz? We haven't seen you for a while, have we? Because we've been on our no, sort of hollybobs. You was away and there was no Wi-Fi last time we tried this. Yeah, so, true. yeah, I did miss you. Oh, cheers, oh thanks, mate. Russ. Yeah, so yeah, we had we had a bit of Wi-Fi trouble, didn't we? So we had I'm to scrap a, it. I'm just sitting there wondering now. I can actually see what you're wearing now. I'm wearing a cushion. A cushion is and a nothing cushion. else. Oh, lovely! You, you can clearly see the collar of his shirt. Sort of. Uh, don't break the illusion. I'm just wearing a you're cushion. Taking, you're taking a leaf there out of my book, then. Yeah, going yeah. naked to the meetings. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Spot on. Um, no, I am wearing a. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing a blue shirt, mate. There you go. Would you like? Very nice. Quite a nice blue shirt, actually. But I'm just resting my chin because we're doing this. We're recording live from our sofa. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm resting my chin on a little cushion. Where better um, to do a casual podcast than on your sofa? Well, you know what? I think all podcasts should be from the sofa, don't you? That's right. Yeah, it's a bit of like an informal style to the... Fun fact, the first time we recorded the podcast, it was just two chairs and a mic. Two chairs and a mic. We didn't even have a laptop. Um, I, yeah, we I, had a laptop. Yeah, I mean, we, we've recorded in all sorts of places. We've recorded abroad, right. we've recorded here, we've recorded from the sofa, from the table. I've never done it naked. No, no way. Really? About, about, How about that time when you had the camera off? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Usually um, that's what I do in our interviews. Switch the camera off and turn yourself off. Interviewing topless with Russ. It's almost as good as cooking topless with Russ. Russ interviews. Watch out for Stephen Bartlett. Interviewing topless with Russ is going to be the new new top podcast. Let's talk about how amazing Munich Pride was, Mm -hmm. right? So we did go to Munich Pride. By accident. By accident. We didn't know what was going on. And then we saw one, or Charlotte saw... One particular boy in stripy, multicoloured socks googled yeah. Munich Pride, and then suddenly we're in the middle of Munich Pride. But let me tell you a little story that highlights the generosity of the crowd in Munich Pride, right? So we're in the middle of Munich Pride. Charlotte's chatting to um, 
fella um at Munich Pro. <laughs> um and um he just lovely lovely fella turns around and went, here I have a rainbow flag. Uh, I've got ten in my bag, and my intention is to give them all away. You didn't build it up all that well, you know. But I'm I'm like on the edge of my seat. This geezer's really going to do something extraordinary. He gave away a few flags. <laughs> no, they were massive. The flag, the flags were. They big. were about my body height. They were they were full body flags. Yeah, and he'd intentionally bought more so he could. Do a kind act I'm to a, give it away. I'm more interested to hear where you ended up in a police car. Um, uh, well, you could have a go at the police car. Now, I walk up to the thing, and all sorts of different people are having a go at the police car. So you got, you've got young people, you've got older people, and what you basically get to do is wear a police hat and wave a like stop police sign at the window of a I very cool little little mini uh, German police car, right? Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, so did I. And I'm sure you'd have a go. Charlotte, on the other hand, not keen. Why didn't you give it a go, Charlotte? Didn't want to. Didn't want to. Oh, no. Too cool for school. Too cool for school. Let's talk about Mug of the Week. Right, yes, okay. Concepts. Instagram eats up niche stuff, you know. Mugs, a new mug every week. I feel week. like I'm on a social media training call trust for you. Yeah. Apparently, Instagram eats up niche stuff. Right? Anyway, That's new new mug every week, but they've all got business logos on them. Because I've got about six or seven business branded logos. So we've got we've got the six or seven. Uh, are we we're definitely doing mug of the week, not mug of the month. Depends on how much my mug, <laughs> my mug income becomes. Like if you, if we could get some more mugs in, I could, I could do mug of the week. But if my flow of mugs isn't enough, we need a mug flow, don't we? We need a mug flow. So how we need a mug flow. We need four months. Excellent. We can do that. Right. We can do that. I mean, we could repeat a mug, couldn't we? Yeah, we could repeat a mug. Um, I would appreciate. Let's just clarify. Is that the royal way? Last time I got a phone call to say, can you get involved? We're six years down the line and it's cost me a mug. On that note, let's share a little bit of kindness by doing the next part of the show, which is Kindness News. Um, and this is Teen Finds Woman's Purse. And he's rewarded with $17,000 after he delivers it to, uh, to her door. A 17-year-old teen in San Diego returned a purse left in a grocery store parking lot. And although he expected nothing in return, hundreds of strangers have offered him a big reward. Adrian Rodriguez found the green handbag in the Ralph's parking lot in Chula Vista, California, two weeks ago. Instead of bringing it inside the store, he decided to deliver it himself to the woman's front door. Although the owner, Elena Martin, wasn't there, the person was left with the roommate, and the home surveillance video was used to track down the high school graduate to show him some love. I looked into the ring camera, and I was like, oh my God, he's such a young kid, recalls Melina Mar Marquez. We need to find him and just give him a little piece of gratitude. 
Sheen Martin posted the striking image on social media and found the young man who returned the bag, which contained $20 and a wallet full of credit cards. My mum always told me since I was little to always do the right thing when nobody's around, Adrian told NBC News. I didn't expect nothing back, honestly. If someone found my stuff, I'd want them to bring it back to me, said the humble youth. But the good news didn't stop there. Marquez organised a GoFundMe campaign as a way for friends and new admirers, admirers to reward Adrian's honesty. 764 donors sent money that totaled over $17,000. Every parent right now hopes that their child, their children grow up to be just like this young gentleman. Uh, yeah, love that. Scroll past for uh, 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 No, that, that was the end of the article. Oh, was on my line. I want to tell yeah, you. it said watch this video, but we're not going to play that on the show, are oh, we? Oh, <laughs> So that um, was amazing. And you know what? I... I know that technology can get a, uh, rightfully sometimes, harsh time uh, because because of the impact it has on the world. Um, but there are elements where you turn around and go, if used positively, particularly to promote positive behaviour, the technology is amazing. But like GoFundMe allows you to support any cause in the world where you what you think deserves it. And certainly Adrian um, and the great work he's done, uh, for me, definitely deserves it. So well done, Adrian. Uh, that $17,000 that um, people have donated certainly uh, is pretty amazing. One, one of the most interesting things for me in, in, in my day job, in the job as a financial planner, is often people come and see me at a point of transition. So they're thinking, and, and my typical client, sort of early 50s to early 60s, looking at a position where they're, they're trying to work out whether financially they've reached a level of, of wealth to, 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 to do something else. And a lot of the conversations aren't about money. They're about... What do I do with my life, Chris? What do I? I'm, I'm now at a point where I've achieved a level of financial independence. What is? I'll give you an example. Working with a guy at the moment, and I, I won't break any confidentialities clearly, but working with a guy at the moment who said, "I've been doing the same thing quite successfully for 30 years. What am I if I aren't if I'm not my job?" Um, and part of the part of the conversations that we have are around saying what is your purpose in life what is it you really want to like where do you add value to the world over and above the money if we know if we can tell you that the money's going to be all right and that conversation jeff fascinates me because it's mm. so interesting in terms yeah. of helping people you know and guide and, and the life coaching i'd imagine is he's doing exactly that just more intensely right well you're in a you're in a coach even asking those sessions i guess i, I guess it's um how you um put a structure around that conversation so that someone walks out the door feeling like they are you know a, a step Empowered. closer towards working it out and feeling empowered as a, as a result but yeah what a fascinating stage of life to be in where you start to actually um align yourself with what your what what you actually want to achieve with the time you had after what you thought was important was was the yeah. career <laughs> um and and now realizing well that's just given you um it's given you the tools the experience and uh, maybe the, the platform to then be able to make decisions yeah. as to as to what you do it, I, I, I love 
I love where I've landed with just like I've, I was really clear this week in that uh, sorry this year that it was all about what I can give and yeah. uh, it's the reason why I do plenty of podcasts it's the reason why I'm doing the workshops for free yeah. and the walk and talk stuff at a different game every Saturday wherever I am and it's because I you know if I if I can do my little bit and if you yeah. can do a little bit with this podcast, if someone else can do their little bit with something else, then the I think world's going to be a better place as a result, right? That's yeah, we, just, we have to see ourselves as the balance to all the bad stuff. Um, yeah. As, yeah. as opposed to, I, I'd never be one to sit around and just be like, well, this is bad, isn't it? Well, okay, what what can we do that, that yeah. I guess is, 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 is uh, contradicting to that? And, and what's the opposite? Yeah. Yeah, what can we do to just engender some sort of positive change? You know, and yeah. if you know if we can do that, that's great. And and I suppose I suppose the big factor. I mean, I know you mentioned you trained as a as a life coach. What was your big biggest lessons when you went through that process for you? Uh, what I'm thinking specifically as a coach um, was was my introduction to imagery, which is not something that I was trained in, but just something as a coach I'd naturally um, gravitated towards and that is to um, help people to see their situation from a from a different point of view by inviting them to close their eyes and and imagine the situation visually and um, by playing around with that and by realizing how powerful it is um, what you know, a lot of people get very used to avoiding the um the, the same conversation they, they seem to be having a lot with a lot of people where it's just purely verbal. Um, yeah, but actually, yeah. when you invite someone to see it um, uh, and to create an image, obviously it's not me giving them the image, that's them creating for themselves and telling me what they see and what that metaphor is for their for their situation. Um, they're, all of a sudden, their resistance to kind of exploring it is is less as a result. And, yeah. and as I say, it's just like it's, I, it never ceases to amaze me how, how powerful imagery is in helping people unpick um, the things that they've been stuck in in the past. So, so that was that was really that visualization of a, of a different situation, the situ situation they're in, just viewed from a different perspective. How would you use that imagery? Yeah, yeah, it's quite flexible. It's really creative in that, that actually what I'm trying to do, I guess, is help them to construct the, the visual image. And then yeah. when they've constructed it, we start to um, we start to question it, why why things appear in certain ways. But the detail you can go into is absolutely immense and it all represents very cleverly um something that your subconscious has just sort of offered up. So um yeah, I remember learning about how we're all an iceberg in that what what our conscious cognitive thought process is is what you see above the surface, which is it seems like quite a big, you know, element of the iceberg. But actually it's not, when, you, is it? yeah. when you see beneath the surface, it's only five percent of it. And and the, and the problem is, certainly for me, is the more you learn about that personal development stuff, that you the more you the more you realise you don't know. We don't know. We don't. We know very little. We yeah. uh, the comprehension of who we are, why we are, the purpose of why we. You know, it's 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 such a, a huge, yeah. unexplored expanse. And there, and there was a few podcast interviews that I, I really piqued my interest. 
particularly, uh, and I, I want to cover over a couple of things on this. Number one, gratitude. So num how important do you think um, gratitude and being grateful is, is, is in terms of your mental health? I just know when I, I read the law of, you know, I read the secret about the law of attraction when I was quite young. And um, I remember thinking, oh, this is how I think this, you know, someone who's very positive, this will, will really speak to you because it, infers that basically your life is in your hands and that if you take full responsibility and accountability for your thought process then actually that will deliver the the the, the life and the experiences and i guess in some ways that the luck that you're looking for i i personally and again you know I, I completely appreciate that people might disagree with me i i i've not read the secret um, uh, but I just think the reality is a bit more nuanced and, and, and deeper than that, purely and simply because the law of attraction just seemed like uh, too much of a simplistic solution for me. What did you think? No, I agree, but it's a great place to start. Yeah. And what do you yeah. lose? You know, yeah. so it's, yeah. not, it's not a religion, and I don't think that, you know, you're never asking anybody to... Um, because uh, it doesn't explain why people get serious illnesses, right? You know, it, it yeah. doesn't explain. So you're right. There are obviously huge caveats, but my my response will always just be, "What's the harm in taking accountability?" Which is massive. 100%. 100%. For for your thoughts, right? if we imagine why anxiety is so is so rife at the moment, and and that is about how people um, people don't quite have the the the, the the boundaries around their, their thought process so it gets carried away it gets heightened and exaggerated and next thing you know something is thought into being a far bigger issue than, than maybe it was initially so that's I'm with what you happens that. if you, yeah, yeah if you if you if your thinking is is let's say you know not constructive then then you're looking at anxiety if your thought process is one where you understand that 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 if you think positively of, about things then you can manifest these things into your existence um then all all it means that even if it doesn't work and actually that's not that's not how, how the universe does work you, you can't ask believe and receive um then it just means that you've spent a lot less of your day worrying about things unnecessarily um it doesn't mean that you're careless it doesn't mean that that, that you're not giving minds to things that that you need to take care of it just means that you're thinking about those things in a context that is constructive and um and, and that's and, likely and to result in you taking positive action as well isn't it you know that's the reality of it so that mindset stuff i think i, I you know I, I completely agree with the the bit that i think we might and we can we can disagree jeff there's no problem with that uh, yeah um, definitely um the the bit the bit that i think is that that positive act certainly look in the mirror certainly it starts with you in terms of the decisions you make the bit that i think and again i might have misinterpreted interpreted the book the bit that i, I i'd add on to that is you've got to take the positive action this stuff that uh, just doesn't come to you you've got to take the action to to drive stuff forward so maybe i need to read it maybe i've misunderstood it no but... no listen not at all but of course you're right that positive actions lead to lead to talk to me about that experience of just you know building those adventures with your son because that sounds amazing yeah so i mean look i've been climbing mountains i grew up as i said in the northwest and and yeah. 
we would go each weekend to Snowdonia and we'd go climbing. And so I've grown up climbing mountains and, and then doing all this stuff. And, and, and my son has watched me do this. And then as he, as he grew up, he said, you know, can I come with you? Can I come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first expedition with him was when he was 12. Um, and we went trekking around the Brecon Beacon. I just took him somewhere yeah. where he could get a flavor. I took him around the Brecon Beacons, up and down some big hills. His, his rucksack was bigger than he was. Um, I've got this wonderful photograph, literally his big, big pack on his back. And he loved it. And then when he was about 15, I walked to the North Pole. And he was too young. I mean, he, it, was, it would have been too tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once you walk to the North Pole, well, you want to walk to the South Pole. So when I was when he was about seventeen, I gently suggested over dinner one day to my family, oh, I'd like to walk to the South Pole. My wife's kind of used to it, you know. She's yeah, she, she she's known me a long time. And Matt perked up and he said, "Well, you're not going without me this time." Oh yes, yeah. So we went. Um, so we walked to the South Pole together, which was a pretty tough assignment. I mean, it's a it's a very challenging place to get to. You know, people don't appreciate that the South Pole is at 10,000 feet altitude. And, and, and it's at equivalent of 14,000 feet because the Earth's atmosphere is thinner down there and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was, our average day was minus 45 centigrade. So it's a very challenging environment. How long, we, how long, did, how long did the expedition take? How long yeah, we, we were on the ice for about six weeks. Right. So and he plugged away and and honestly after the third day I thought he wasn't going to make it, but then really he wasn't eating a, properly. Yeah, is there a point where you get acclimatized? Yes, there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. There's a point where you stop noticing the cold. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're still going to be very cautious because when you stop noticing it, um, you know that's when you can get frost nip and gotcha. particularly any exposed. Any exposed areas, you know, your face. I have two scars on my face from a bit of frost nip. Um, so you do have to be wary at all times, but you do stop noticing the extreme cold. I mean, when you get off the aeroplane on Antarctica, it is like somebody hitting you in the face with a baseball bat. I mean, it is yeah. that cold. Yeah, yeah. But, but you do acclimatize, yeah. yeah. So, so we've gone on, we've gone on since then. So we've gone and climbed some of the world's biggest mountains together. And, and we went back to the North Pole so he could do both poles. Um, so was the conversation when you decided to, uh, uh, to go on your own expedition the same? Was it, you're not leaving without your dad? No, <laughs> no, it was it was quite the opposite, actually. Oh, was it? Right, interesting. Yeah, because I said to him, hey, I, I'd, I'd like to row the Atlantic. Do you want to come? And he said, no. <laughs> I said, why? He said, we'll die. He said, it'll be pain, pain, and more pain, and then we'll die. I said, well, try and be a bit more positive than that. <laughs> and he said, no. He said, we don't know anything about it. It's too dangerous. I'm not coming. So I'm, said, okay. I'm assuming the guys that the, 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 the guys who were in the boat had some sort of knowledge of, you know, the environment they're going in or navigation, or was it five complete amateurs? Well, none of them had ever rowed. Right. But they were dinghy sailors, and a couple of them um, worked on super yachts as crew members. So they had some understanding of the sea. Yeah. So, so when I said to Matt, okay, well, that's a shame because I've got a crew. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got a crew. Oh, he said, you're serious? I said, yeah, I'm absolutely. He said, all right, I'm in then. <laughs> yeah. I'm in then. So that was it. So he was in. So if it was, if it was just you, 
Kev, he wouldn't have done it. But <laughs> well, I, I said to him that um, I'm, I enjoyed it so much that I'm going to do it again. And he said, well, you're mad. I said, well, I'll do it on my own. He said, no, you'll die. I said, well, what if I did the Pacific? Would you come with me? He said, yeah, I'll come with you on that. So we're going to do the Pacific in 2024. But the story of the book is, you know, what do you learn? How do you go out and race against Atlantic oarsmen who some of them have been Olympians? I mean, we're racing people who are serious oarsmen. And and I suppose I suppose one of the one of the things that came across in terms of uh, in, in when I've been reading some elements on the book. So I haven't read the book, but I've been doing some research for this interview. Was that there was so many lessons that you learned through the process of going on the expedition? Do you want to share a couple of those? What what were the ones that stand out the most? Now I know there's I know that in the blurb it says there's eighty, so we don't need to go through all yeah. eighty. But there's probably a couple that you want to share. Well, I think the biggest one is the recognition that preparation is everything. And it's the same in business. You know, you've got to do your thinking before you lurch into some business situation you're unfamiliar with. The most critical one, I believe, is about the culture. And the the words we used on the boat were be kind. And I know this is a kindest podcast, but it was be kind because we're all going to have a very bad day. Yeah. Now, to give you an idea, we're rowing 24-7, and there's no support vessel. People keep saying to me, would you get off at night into a... No, we're just in a rowing yeah. boat. That's yeah. it. There yeah. is nothing but us. There is no rescue. There is nothing. So we're all going to have a bad day. When you're rowing, two hours on, two hours off, all day, seven days a week, and we rowed for 19 days without taking a break. We, took, we gave ourselves a 30-minute break to celebrate that, New Year. Right, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. It, 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 was, it was work all the way through then. Work all the it? way through. Yeah, yeah. But that's why the culture is so important, because yeah. when you're lacking in sleep, as we were, you know, you get two hours off, you've got to eat, wash, do the jobs on the boat, <laughs> use the toilet, all of that stuff, and then you get to sleep. So you might get an hour's sleep, and then you're back on rowing for another yeah, yeah, two yeah. hours. yeah, yeah. And we started, you start to get a bit batty. You know, you, get, you start hallucinating. About day 12, 13, 14, you are seeing things that are not there. You know, I, I at one point, I knew exactly where we were because I could see Tesco. I was absolutely convinced of this particular shadow out, out on the ocean was Tesco. It's a Tesco. Yeah, <laughs> completely bonkers. Yeah. But the culture that we created meant that we supported each other through. And that's what I'm interested in. So, so that element of culture, that element of be kind, yeah. you know, it has that manifested in the boat when you're when you're out and you've had that sort of hour of sleep. How does how, how does that culture manifest itself? Is it just making sure that you're considerate of each other and the fact that you know we're all going through a tough time, so let's help each other through it? Yes, it's exactly that. Yeah. You know, somebody might be having a really tough shift and finding it hard work to row for that particular two hours. <laughs> you don't moan at them. What you do is say, okay, ease off a little. I'll I'll carry it for the next hour. You yeah. ease off. And, and, you know, we were five guys who were all determined to give absolutely 110%. But there comes a time when some people say, you know what, I've just, I'm, I'm just struggling a bit right now. Okay. Then we'll carry it. You you just yeah, yeah. You just give yourself a breather for a moment. We'll carry it. Is that uh, is that 
is that a culture you applied to business as well? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the thing about leadership is it's about inclusivity. Yeah. It's not about exclusivity. It's about inclusivity. And the role of being a leader, to my mind, is, is about creating a culture where people feel part of it. Yeah. Where, where people feel that they are engaged, they're involved, and that's what leads to the inspiration. Yeah. yeah. And so my approach to leadership is about being very inclusive. It is about talking to everybody. It is not about exclusivity. Yeah. You know, in some of the businesses I've run, one of the first things I've done is <laughs> the old-fashioned close down the executive dining room. Yeah, um, yeah. At BMW, it creates a barrier, doesn't it? Yeah, that's absolutely. At BMW, yeah. I, turn, I, I turn the executive dining room into a library and a relaxation area for the whole team. Amazing. So people could yeah. come in there, read books, read journals, have a chat, take a break. I suppose, and I, I, suppose uh, I mean, the interesting thing with that is, do you think culture, business culture in particular has changed? Because I'd argue it's changed for the better over the last sort of three decades. Do you reckon we, we've moved from a situation where um, it was... <laughs> a less kind environment a bit of a dog eat dog environment potentially in the 70s and the 80s and we've sort of evolved to, to a situation where we realize that only works for a certain amount of people what do you think yeah i do think it has evolved um because thankfully more leaders have learned that the way to engage their teams and build a great business is about catching people in not catching people out yeah, yeah you know yeah. if somebody does something that's, that's helpful and positive then catch them in make a fuss yeah. engage with them and thank them when it goes wrong because things go wrong every day in business 100%. don't make an example of it that's when you have the quiet conversation that's, that's when you want to speak about what did we learn from that and, and again this comes back to the boat when it went wrong okay guys what did we learn from that what can we do differently next time and, sorry go ahead. and i was just going to say you know we got um even though we're sort of shelving uh, the end of the podcast, which are the answers, we have got a couple of answers from last week, uh, Charlotte. So would you like to do the catchphrase? Here's the end of another podcast. But the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. But, and, uh, and last week's question of the podcast was about zoo animals if i remember correctly what's your favorite zoo animal um and we had what is it two three responses two uh yeah, Katie Keen, uh said hmm half one as i love all animals for me it will be seals just love watching how graceful they are and then russell and stacy had a bit of a chat in the comments of that one um oh you can watch them on the beach that's cool um and Heidi Ball uh, said elephants. Now, when, when Raz is talking about the seals on the beach in Norfolk, I've been to see those seals, and they are amazing. One story about that, I saw a seal give birth on that beach, which was both a incredibly traumatic but an incredibly life-affirming experience. And on that note, no, no, no. that's Didn't, the story. No, 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 no. There's more to that story because I remember Soak said something and it just became an in-joke that just stayed for a while um, about the when, the when the seal was born, she said it was fresh 
Fresh. <laughs> fresh as a daisy. Um, I, I think all babies are fresh when they come out. Disgustingly fresh, but, but very fresh. <laughs> very and on that fresh. note, they should market more products like that. You know, fruit, disgustingly fresh. <laughs> um, uh, but, and, and another visual question to end the podcast, listeners, if you'd like to uh, email in, what would you cook disgustingly fresh? And on that note, 